Welcome to Inside the Match, where Alex and Simone talk residency applications. We are two residents here to help you navigate the match. For each podcast, we'll bring you residents from various specialties and backgrounds to give advice. So today we are super excited to be able to talk to Christina, who recently graduated medical school and is going to be an emergency medicine resident starting this summer. So Christina, where are you going to be a resident? And tell me a little bit more about your journey. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I'm going to be a resident emergency physician at UPMC Hammett in Erie, Pennsylvania. It's a satellite campus of the University of Pittsburgh. Um, Yeah, go ahead. Just to learn a little bit more about you before you start on that journey, we like to ask a few questions. Were you AOA? No. Were you goal humanism? No. And, you know, along the interview trail, we all have some like funny interview stories that occur. And I'm wondering if you'd feel comfortable sharing anything about your interview course. Sure. Um, there was something that un- kind of unusual that happened. There was a program that I had talked to at the virtual AMRA fair, which is that's uh, Emergency Medicine Residents Association. They hold a virtual or they, during the pandemic, it was virtual uh, residency fair. And this program, uh, I, you know, I got a rejection email from them in November, and I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and moved on, just like all the other rejections. But uh, a month later, I got a personal email from the program director saying that I had been rejected by mistake, <laughs> and the resident uh, that I had talked to at the Emra Fair had had, I guess, good things to say about our conversation and asked him to take another look at my application. And he, so he offered me an interview, and I took it. And I, I don't know if I was extra nervous or whatever, but I kind of came out of it feeling like it was sort of a below average interview performance for me, but you know, whatever it, it was, it was, um, you know, it was fine, I guess. Um, well, as it turns out, I opened up my match envelope and lo and behold, it was none other than the program that had initially rejected me. So, wow. Um, yeah. That it's is, kind of funny and crazy. But. That's such a cool story. And it really showcases the fact that connections make a difference. And no matter where you are, what meeting you're attending or what virtual event, it really showcases that those people you're interacting with could be future people that are your boss. Absolutely. It's so important and so true. So just going back a little bit, I would love to learn a little bit more about your match journey and your path to emergency medicine. Sure. So I've found EM fascinating since I was like six. Literally, I would watch, that was back when I would, you know, my source of that information was like watching shows like Rescue 911 and stuff like that. Um, I found out a little later that there's a type of doctor that does all that emergency stuff and even more than that. And so I became pretty much obsessed with becoming an emergency physician by the time I was about nine or so. But, um, you know, as I got older, my interests sort of diversified and I wound up going to school for math and computer science. And I actually worked as a software development consultant for a while, but pretty immediately started regretting my choices and started thinking, you know, I, maybe I was right about the whole medicine thing my whole life up until recently. But, you know, I figured it deserved a chance to make it work. And I, I turned out to absolutely love my company and my coworkers. They were amazing, which is how I knew I was in the wrong field. I was still unhappy under the best of circumstances in that field. So I quit and took the pre-med uh, prerequisites and applied to med school and pretty much never looked back. Wow, that is really helpful to hear. And it showcases that at any step throughout your life, you can change paths and go into something totally different, even when you're under circumstances that you have great colleagues and a great boss there to support you. Yeah, I think we actually had one or two students in my class that were 40. So 
you can definitely change, you know, relatively late in life. And um, yeah, it can work out. So for those that are going through the match process and end up not matching into the field that they hope to, do you have any recommendations for them to find mentors in the field in hopes that they, you know, help them with the reapplication process moving forward? So this is a tough one because, you know, if you haven't matched the first time, you know, it's, it's tough to find help because I think people are tend to be a little bit reluctant to help you. Um, it might be harder to find guidance from your school, especially once you graduate, but that's a, at least a good place to start. You may find individuals in your uh, field of interest who are still amenable to helping you with reapplication. I think there's a lot of free help to be had online as well. Med Twitter is full of people willing to give advice, read personal statements, etc. And you can just get a lot of general advice by reading past answers to people who are from people like in similar situations on, you know, Reddit and SDN. Um, our medical school and our residency on Reddit are good places to look. Um, in my case, I got super lucky. I got a text from a doctor who was a resident when I was on internal medicine back in third year saying he heard I didn't match. And he was apparently so, um, I guess, impressed with what he observed from me on IM that he was willing to write a strong letter for me. Um, his name is Keenan. He's awesome. Uh, around that, that same time, I was emailing with my my former mentor trying to plan for reapplication and he was pretty heavily implying that he was giving up on me. And um, when I let Keenan know this, he pretty much adopted me as a mentee on the spot. And he did an amazing job, not only as a mentor, but as an advocate, writing a strong letter for me, making calls on my behalf. And just, I think having someone who was unwaveringly on my side consistently made a huge difference for me. It just helped you know, me believe in myself and keep going and that just that I could really do this. So, so I think finding a mentor like that is important if you can, but yeah. short and of that, you know, there's, there's, there's people online you can talk to as well. And it sounds like you had a great mentor that wasn't even in the field you were applying to. So exactly. It makes exactly. you realize they could be anywhere in the hospital and someone that worked with you at any point during the time that you were in medical school. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's important to remember that, you know, every day is audition day, every day is interview day, basically because you don't, you don't want to think, oh, this is just an off-service rotation. I'm going to slack off. This is not my field. Because you just never know whose impression of you is going to come back to haunt you for better or for worse later. So I think that's something that's important to keep in mind. And it sounds like through this journey of reapplying, you had this great mentor that was advocating for you. And I'm curious if you made any other changes to your residency application this year that you would advise applicants to make moving forward who are reapplying. So I think it kind of depends on what the person's deficits were on their application, if there were any deficits. I mean, I think some people just don't match and get kind of unlucky. Um, but, you know, be, be brutally honest with yourself and try to really, and, and get feedback from other places to see what they think about your application. The, the two biggest things I think that helped my case this year were, was getting that new mentor of mine who really, really helped encourage me and just keep me going. Um, and then I think networking was enormous um, through Twitter and through the Emra Fair and other places. You know, I got interviews from a lot of those contacts. So that was really important. Um, with respect to what you can do in an off year, uh, I tuned in weekly when I could make it to my, um, the emergency medicine conferences weekly at my home program. And then uh, I had my slow updated to reflect the fact that I was attempting to keep up my emergency medicine knowledge. 
Um, I volunteered for like COVID staffing needs, volunteered with also through my, my med school. They, they let me even as a graduate come back and help out with their free mental health clinic and their, their mobile clinic. I worked as a standardized patient for uh, the school as well. Um, outside of school, I was promoted from author to editor of First Aid, which was helpful. And then um, one of my letters came from them as well. And I wrote um, through them, they got me a job with QMAX writing questions for them. Um, with respect to the application itself, I think it, you might want to try to get some feedback. And if you're lucky enough to get feedback on your letters, that might be important because you just kind of don't know sometimes what people might have written. I wound up changing out one of my letters and replacing it with two that I was more confident would be strong. Um, I applied to family medicine as a backup, which I think it's important to have a backup plan uh, on your second time around. Uh, I wrote my personal history, or my personal statement completely from scratch because uh, I just, I thought my last one sounded a little bit, almost like kind of depressing. And I, <laughs> I wanted my new one to reflect the year that I had had since then. And it just came up as much, um, I focused a lot more of, about how I persevered through the difficult times and came out better for having been through it rather than just sort of focusing too much, I think on the, the difficult times. And I also elaborated on all of my heiress entries to not just be dry description, but to convincingly tie everything to a skill or a trait that um, everything supplemented that would be useful for residencies. And then, you know, there's just like interview skills and that kind of stuff that you can always practice. Those are helpful too. And I, I wrote a bunch of letters of interest as well to kind of high yield places based on geography or perceived fit that I thought maybe I might have a better chance of getting an interview if I reached out to them personally. That information is really helpful. You've provided so many practical tips in which we can change around the application, we can get mentors, and we can really enhance uh, the package overall when applying. And you know, yeah. some people may be worried because they may have deficiencies in their application, whether it be a failed step score or whether it be a class failure. And they may, may be a little bit overwhelmed because they can't change uh, a lot of the things that are in their Dean's letter. And yeah. so I'm curious if you have any recommendations for any people that are coming in to reapplying with some of those deficiencies that they can't change. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would say I was probably in that situation for sure. Um, again, I would say definitely like ask for feedback, even from, from programs where you didn't match. Some of them may be willing to give you feedback on why um, you didn't match or what was wrong with your application. Um, so, you know, as long as you have a good idea and an honest idea of what, where your application can improve, I think trying to target things to those deficits is important. Like, for example, if you had low step scores, um, you know, you could do some teaching activities um, or like, you know, tutoring, that kind of thing to show that, you know, you really do have a grasp of this material and it's being, it's being reinforced. Just anything you can think of that kind of would counter whatever your perceived uh, deficiency is on your application. Try, try to target things toward that. And you mentioned some awesome opportunities that you have been involved with, with including that you are a USMLE first aid editor. And yes. I'm curious, like for people looking for such cool opportunities to add to their CV, where should they go looking? That's a great question. I feel like I was kind of in the right place at the right time sometimes. Um, I, I thought about this question. I don't really have the greatest answer. I think it's just, it's, 
it's hard to say where the best place to find opportunities like this is. I mean, sometimes it's just word of mouth. So I think the best thing is to just keep your eyes and ears open. Um, some things get posted online. Definitely don't like shut yourself in. You, you may just stumble across opportunities talking to other people or, or reading things online. Um, and if you have a particular interest in getting involved in something, you, you don't get what you, you don't ask for. So I would say if there's something you wanna shoot for, you can always try to contact someone and find out what it takes to get involved in something like that. But it, it's, it's hard to really pinpoint a, you know, a particularly good place for random cool opportunities. <laughs> Because, um, you know, they're, they're random and cool because they're not easy to find, I think. Exactly. And so you know, I wish I had better advice on that. I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> and no, well, I am so glad to hear that you have such an incredible position. And we hope as, you know, inside the match to promote ones that we hear about, um, because it is uh, important to be able to, you know, seek out things that are unique and different in order to enhance your CV. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people are overwhelmed and intimidated with the idea, you know, of talking about being unmatched. And I'm curious if you found support in, you know, discussing this topic with other people. And if you have any advice for those who may be a little bit more nervous about speaking openly and discussing this matter with others. Stigma doesn't get better unless more and more people are openly talking about it. And I think just there's strength in numbers there. And I've never been one to like hide that, you know, anything like that because, you know, there were, there were reasons for it and I, I wound up succeeding despite them. And I, I do think it's good to have good social supports so that you can kind of keep re being reminded that, you know, one failed match is not the end of the world and just keep sources of encouragement close to you. Um, you yeah. know, the process can be so draining and you discussed how you spent this year doing so many different things in order to enhance your application overall. And you found this mentor who is willing to advocate with you and cheer you on throughout this process. So are there any tips that you have learned throughout this year that you would advise people do in order to keep that positive attitude going in a time when they feel so down about not matching? So yeah, I think social supports are huge for this. My mentor, um, but it doesn't have to be your mentor too. It, it could be anybody. My, my husband's not in medicine, but he's always great to go and just have him listen to what's going on. And he reminds me of all the things that I have done well and you know, kind of breaks me out of that focus on only the bad things. The other thing that I did that was really helpful was um, I, pulled, I pulled out the notes app on my phone one time and just wrote down everything that I was changing for my new application, everything that, during that long uh, monologue that I just gave you a few minutes ago, that I uh, all the changes that I made, and you know, every time I felt the kind of panic start to rise, that oh my gosh, what if I don't match again? This is terrifying. This is awful. I'd pull out that that note that I had written myself, and I'd go down the really long list, and I'd be like, okay, this is not the same application that I applied with last time. I mean, it's just it's completely different. It's so much improved and I think just kind of reminding myself of that objectively was really helpful. It tended to calm me down a lot. And you know you did write a tweet today that resonated with me and I think is really important for people to recognize and you said I'm really happy with where life is right now. There's no yeah. feeling quite like that. And to yep. see that change and where you must have been a year ago to where you are today and to see you go from an aspiring ERMD to being <laughs> um, an emergency medicine resident starting this summer must be such a neat feeling. 
It's amazing. I, I, I'd be hard pressed to think of another time in life where I've been this happy. I'm just glowing. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, you've given us so many awesome tips in order to think about the reapplication cycle and ways in which we can enhance our application moving forward. And I'm curious if you have anything else you'd like to offer or add about this whole stressful journey, including the application or the residency interview process. Um, I think the biggest piece of, of advice that I learned besides make sure you're networking is, is just, you know, make sure you're, um, performing well, even off service. Cause you never know who's going to be willing to help you. And uh, it can be difficult to sort of break away from constantly thinking about it. So just, you know, give yourself enough breaks to get your mind off of it, or you're going to, you're going to go crazy. It's, it's, it can be all consuming if you let it consume you, but make sure you've got enough distractions to maintain yourself as a person during this really crazy time. Well, Christina, you've given us a story that's so memorable to think you were rejected from a program, thought you didn't do as well in the interview as you could, to matching at that program and being an emergency medicine resident is so helpful to hear. And it gives us a lot of hope moving forward as people go through this stressful journey to get into the specialty they've always dreamed of. I hope it helps. I Yeah, I, if I can give any hope to anybody out there, I, I hope I have. It, you definitely... If you don't match the first time, it's not the end of the world, as much as it might feel like it is. So, Christina, you've taught us so much about this whole process, and I'm more curious now to learn a little bit more about you. So can you share a fun fact about yourself? So the de facto fun fact that I, I gave during many interviews uh, has now become that I got married in a planetarium, which is pretty unique. And um, we have Star Wars wedding rings. <laughs> oh, very cool. Well, thanks so much for all your time. That's all the time we have today with Christina. Thanks for joining us at Inside the Match. Special thanks to Kevin McCloyd for the music and be sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Catch our next podcast to learn more application tips and hear from another awesome resident or leader in medical education. 